Well, I want to um, actually start this on a little bit of a just a down note, um, just because my heart's breaking today. I know that many of our hearts are breaking today because um, one of our own, uh, Paige Reasoner, senior in high school, uh, died by suicide this week. And um, man, uh, I know there's a lot of us who are hurting and just um, just feeling heartbroken and filled with bit of despair this morning and sadness, and so um, I just I just want to just take a, just a, a moment just to pray for some of you who may be experiencing that right now. Um, next 24 hours, is, there's a lot going on as well. We'll have Paige's visitation here tonight, and then her funeral here tomorrow at 1030. Um, so um, let me just let me just pray for you guys real quick. Dear Lord, um, anyone who's a part of our church today who's just feeling a lot of despair and sadness right now. Um, I pray that you help us focus our eyes on you and to, that you meet us in that. Um, and I pray that we are able to find in you and you alone a peace that transcends all understanding. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, um, as we just celebrate Paige's life tonight and tomorrow that... Um, a healing process can begin in a lot of people and us. And I pray for people that don't know you, that you use Paige's life to draw them to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, anyone who knows me at all knows the one thing I am most passionate about in this life, and really the only thing I care about, is reaching people for Jesus. Um, reaching people who don't know Jesus, who have never experienced the life and hope and peace and joy uh, and eternal life that God has made available through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the only reason I do this job. Um, it's the only reason I pastor a church. Um, it's the one thing in this life I am most passionate about. Because as we saw this last week, how short and how fleeting and how tender life is. And there are people dying Every single day, every single day who have never, who, without hope of eternal life, the hope of eternal life is found in Jesus. And there are people living every single day without experiencing the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment that, and, and security and, and hope that can only be found through a relationship with Christ. And that's why I am most passionate about reaching people for Jesus. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus, Reaching people for Jesus is what you should be most passionate about too because of what we talked about last week. That our ultimate purpose as Jesus followers is to carry on Jesus' mission of reaching people for Jesus. Jesus was clear that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to seek and save those who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And that's you and 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 me and every single person. Jesus was clear that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to die in our place as the sinless perfect sacrifice to atone for our penalty of sin against him, to forgive us for our violation of sin against him, to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him in this life and in the next, to offer us eternal life. That's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for, and that's what Jesus rose from the grave to prove that only he can do. And the writers of scripture are very clear that our ultimate purpose as Jesus followers 
is to carry on Jesus' mission of reaching people for Jesus, of seeking and saving those who are lost. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, this ain't extra credit for you. And you can't dismiss it and you mustn't dismiss it. You mustn't, first of all, because people's lives and people's, and people's eternities are at stake. No one has reached for Jesus. No one knows their, their need for Jesus. No one knows how much God loves them. No one opens their hearts to Christ. No one puts their faith in Jesus. If we as Jesus followers don't live our purpose of what we're called to do. But the second reason that we mustn't dismiss this as followers of Christ is because you can't follow Jesus without doing it. Which means you being transformed into everything God's created you to be is at stake. Because how we're transformed more is by following Jesus one next step at a time. See, but the question is, how do we do this? Well, like we intuitively know that reach, reaching people for Jesus requires sharing Jesus' love through our actions, through loving others the way Christ first loved us. And most of us who are part of Relevant are really good at this. I mean, I watch you guys do this all the time. You're so good at this. So good at loving people with your actions. Unfortunately, that's where many of us stop. And if we stop there, people will never put their faith in Jesus because of the big idea that we discovered last week. That reaching people for Jesus requires crossing the line of sharing the good news of Jesus, not just with our actions, we know it requires that, but also with our words. Because we saw Paul saying last week, how will someone know if no one tells them? How can someone know if someone doesn't tell them? So reaching people for Jesus requires crossing the line of sharing the good news of Jesus, not only with our actions, but with our words. Not just any words, though. The reality is the words we use will either influence people toward or away from Jesus. To reach people for Jesus instead of repel them away from, from Jesus, it's important that we cross this line the right way. Because the words we use will either, reach, will, will either uh, influence people toward Jesus or, or turn them away from Jesus. So that's what we're doing throughout this series. In this series, we're looking at three impactful instead of hurtful ways to cross this line of sharing the good news of Jesus with our words. Listen, for every person who'd say you're a follower of Christ, I hope you listen and I hope you apply what we're talking about because after years of applying these myself, I can say with confidence that these three ways have the potential to open people's hearts to Jesus, have the potential to illuminate people's minds uh, to Jesus' love for them, have the potential to move people one step closer to actually putting their faith in Jesus. And let me tell you what, as followers of Christ, there's nothing more awesome. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more transformational than seeing God work through you in that way. So real quick, I, I said it last week, let me say it again. If you would say, hey, I'm not a follower of Christ, whether you're online or in this room, I'm so glad you're joining us, but I realize, you realize like right now, like I probably showed up at the wrong series. Uh, I don't really want to reach people for Jesus because I don't even know Jesus. Like, I don't even really, I haven't put my faith in, and I totally get that. I'm glad you're here. I realize this series can seem irrelevant, but I think this series, these, these three weeks can actually be impactful for you. And they can be impactful because I hope you see, you know, my, I don't, my goal is not to talk you into Jesus by the end of the series. My goal is by the end of this series is that you see, we, we believe this stuff enough. We believe in who Jesus is enough, and we love you enough to take three weeks out to figure out how to just interact with you better so we can share this message that we believe to be so true with you. At the end of the series, I, 
I don't think I'll talk you in anything. I just hope you see, man, these people really do care. They care enough to try to figure this out. And maybe through that, you'll open up your heart to Jesus' love for you as well. Now, last week I said I believe the best approach to reach people who don't know Jesus is through a relational approach. See, sharing the good news of Jesus with our words is traditionally called evangelism. And at Relevant, we believe that relational evangelism is the best approach. Because this is, I mean, you think about any relationship. True, lasting, positive, life-transforming influence happens best within the context of a relationship between two people who like each other and who trust each other. So here's the deal. I mean, this is just kind of basic stuff right here. The best advice I could give to any person, any follower of Christ who is saying, I want to reach people for Jesus, which I hope you do because it's your purpose. Like the best advice I can give you is to just relationally invest, 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 invest. Do that first and do that best. Invest in the relationship. Care for them. Be there for them. Listen to them. Put them first. Be interested in them. Serve them. Share Jesus' love with your actions. Loving them the way Christ first loved you. Because here's what's happening. Every relational investment that you are making, you're actually getting one step closer to this line. And once they know you care about them and they care about you, you're set up to cross that line in an impactful way. Which leads us to what we talked about last week, which is the first impactful way to relationally cross the line is is starting spiritual conversations. We talked about last week that that starting spiritual conversations, spiritual conversations don't start really with what you say. They start with the questions that you ask. So you don't need to be worried about what to say. Just ask questions. Questions, get to know them. And the best, we talked about the best questions you can ask are the ones to help you learn about their faith journey story. Questions like, hey, where have you been and where are you currently at on your spiritual journey? Now, after years of applying this first way myself, I've experienced again and again and again that if you're courageous enough to cross the line of starting a spiritual conversation by asking and listening, particularly to their story, asking and listening, asking and listening, not opening your mouth, just asking and listening, that sooner or later something will eventually and inevitably happen. Sooner or later, they're probably going to ask you about your faith. Well, where have you been on your spiritual journey? Like, why, why is all this God stuff so important to you? Like, how can you believe all the stuff that you believe? And at that moment, when they ask you, the door has been opened for you to cross the line and share something. And what you share in that moment could be a defining moment for them. That's why the apostle Peter instructs us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But what do you need to be prepared to share? Like what's the most impactful thing that you can share in that moment when they ask you about your faith? Is it a certain Bible verse? Is this some, you know, a doctrinal discourse? Is it a persuasive argument? I mean, by the way, you can share all those things, but you need to know that's not what they're most interested in. And that's not what's most impactful. I think the number one thing that you and I need to be prepared to do when someone asks us about our faith is to share our transformation story. This is traditionally called a testimony, but I like the phrase transformation story better because this is the story of how Jesus has transformed your life and transformed your eternity. And here's kind of the big idea for the day. I believe the most impactful words you can share is your transformation story. I mean, someone that you've been relationally investing in, 
They now know you care. They now know that you're interested in them. And people are interested in people who are interested in them. When someone asks you about your faith, they are interested, most interested in a Bible verse. They're not most interested in some doctrine. They're not most interested in a sound argument about Jesus. They're most interested in you. And why and how your faith has impacted you. So in this moment, like, we don't need to worry about firing off Bible verses, doctrinal dissertations, or little sermonettes. The most impactful way to really cross that line when we're asked in that moment is just to share your transformation story, how Jesus has transformed your life and your eternity. I've seen God use this to open people's hearts to him over and over and over again. So the question is, are you prepared? Are you prepared to share your story And from my experience, for many of us, the answer is no. And one of the reasons is because many of us, and maybe you, maybe this is where you're at, you don't feel like you have a transformation story to share. But let me say this. If you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have truly put your faith in Jesus, asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and leader of your life, and you've been following him, trust me, you have a story that's worth sharing because of this promise and this truth that the Apostle Paul told us about. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has put their faith in Jesus, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The writers of Scripture are so clear that the moment we put our faith in Jesus, asking him to be the forgiver of our sins, the leader of our life, that God's Spirit, referred to as the Holy Spirit, takes residence in us. And at that moment, God transforms us us, into a new creation. Now, not every aspect of our life is transformed. That comes by following Jesus. But in that moment, our eternity is transformed. At that moment, we put our faith in Jesus. We're transformed from being a sinner to being a saint, from being an enemy of God to being a child of God, to being estranged from God to being reconciled to God, from being condemned before God to being forgiven by God, from being lost to being found, from having eternal death to receiving eternal life with God in this life and in the next. The old has gone and the new has come. And then with every next step we take to follow Jesus, from that point forward. With every next step we take to grow in our relationship with Jesus after we put our faith in him, we're continually transformed more into everything God creates us to be. And thus, that's when we experience the life that only God can give us today. That's when the old shame and the old hopelessness and the old despair, the old unfulfillment, the old guilt goes, and the new peace and the new joy and the new hope and the new freedom comes. If you're a follower of Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, that's your story. That's a story that needs to be heard. That's the most impactful thing you can share. But many of us never do when the defining moment to cross that line comes. And we never do because we don't know how. And I know that many of us don't know how because I've asked hundreds of people who are followers of Christ to tell me their transformation story. And if I'm being totally honest with you, just being real here, I'm thinking as I'm listening to some of these stories, if I was a person who didn't have faith in Jesus and I had even a hint of interest in this whole Jesus thing, after hearing this story, I think I'd consider atheism. 
Like, I'm just telling you, like, I'm just being real. Like, just, I'm just being as real as I can be. Because here, here, here's the deal. Many of our stories that I hear, you know, Christ followers tell many stories, they're just weird. Like, they're just weird. It was like I was praying that God would show me that he's real. And then I saw a shooting star. And then the wind shifted directions. And a bald eagle came and landed on my shoulder. And I'm like, geez. Like, listen, look, I hope we all have stories of, like, divine intervention and God showed up. And I know I have some of those. And they're awesome. Just don't come out of the gate with that. Like, that crap needs to be later. Like, way, way later. Second thing I hear about, I see about our stories, they are just long. Like, listen, I, I, and I was born in 1978. And I'm like, yo, my boy, here we go. And two hours later, you're wrapping up. Listen, I, and the only reason that... I or anyone else ever let you talk that long is just we're too polite to tell you to please shut up. You know, and uh, I'm just thinking at the end of it, like, I'm so sorry I asked you. And anyone who doesn't know Jesus, like, I don't want them to think that as well. Like, I'm sorry, I, I'll never ask again. You know when you watch a movie, you feel one of two things. Either I'm glad it's over or that ended too soon. When we get done sharing our stories, you don't want anyone going, glad that's over. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Another thing about our stories is they're so freaking confusing. Like I hear people tell, there's like no plot. There's no plot to it. There's no rhyme or reason for why you're sharing what you're sharing. And then you use all kind of confusing words like born again and fruit of the spirit. And the person listening is going, I didn't ask about holy bananas. Did you get that? I asked about how Jesus made a difference in your life. And here's the other thing about so many of our stories. They're so inauthentic. I feel like when I tell a story, I got to feel like I got my act all together and I got no flaws and I'm better than... And I'm, hey, listen, you want to repel someone from Jesus, throw on a little authenticity, and it'll work every single time. They'll turn away every single time. So listen, if someone that you're relationally investing in asks you about your faith, I really believe sharing your transformation story is the most impactful way to cross this line when it is shared in a clear and compelling way. And since most of us don't know how to do that, I want to teach you by giving you an easy template to use. I call it the three-handle approach. Now, this approach, it's not a new approach. It's actually, we actually discover it in the book of John, the fourth book of our New Testament, in the ninth chapter. I'm, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you uh, uh, to this approach by going through the story, and then I'm going to teach you how to think through your story using this easy template. So here's how the story goes. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So Jesus is walking along. He sees this man described as being blind from birth. And you got to know, in the first century, it was a customary for Jews to believe that sickness and disease you know, that everybody had was a result of a specific sin in a person's life. So based on that common belief, it makes sense why Jesus' disciples asked whose sin caused this blindness. Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, and then Jesus makes one of his I am statements that we looked at in this last series. I am the light of the world. Now in these couple sentences, from Jesus, he communicates a couple hard truths. The first thing he communicates is that life is full of pain and hardship and suffering and sickness and disease and death and darkness. And Jesus never promised it would not be. If anyone tells you that Jesus promised that it would not be, 
They're lying to you. The second, you know, kind of hard truth we see here, what Jesus is saying is that God doesn't cause all this darkness and pain and disease and suffering, and he could stop it all in one moment in your life. But he allows it. That's hard. You're like, I thought God loved me. He does. He loves you enough to allow it. I don't know every reason God allows it, but I do know a couple reasons he does. I do know it's because in these seasons, in these moments of hardship and pain and suffering, it's when people are most open to see their need for Jesus. In these I call these pivotal circumstances. In these moments of pain and suffering and hardship, people either either pivot toward God or pivot away from him. And in those seasons, in those moments of hardship and pain and suffering, people are most open, who never thought they would pivot toward God, never thought they would turn toward God, are most open to actually do it in those seasons because they're so desperate. That's why, by the way, relationally investing is so important. As you're walking with people, just investing, 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 and when these pivotal circumstances come, that's when they are most open to ask you about your faith. The other reason I think God loves us enough to allow this in our life is so that people see that Jesus is the light and the only light in this dark world. you got to know, Jesus didn't come just to save us from hell. And give us eternal life someday. He came to be our healer today, our redeemer today, our restorer today. He is the light of this dark, lonely, broken, pain-filled world. Light shines the brightest when it's the darkest. Grasping that is key to understanding the powers, the power that our transformation stories have. Story goes on. After saying this, he spit on the ground, (laughs) made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. What? Like, this this is just crazy. Like, there's this blind dude, and Jesus decides just... You know what I mean? Spits on the ground. It's like, what is happening? Makes some mud, slaps the dude in the face, go tells him. And he's gross. You know, the disciples are watching are like, what is happening? They're gross. This guy's like super gross. He said, go, go wash. This guy goes to wash it, not because he thinks he's going to be healed, because he had mud on his face. He's got to get it off. So he went and after the mud came off, he could, you know, miraculously see. Amazing a miracle. In short, Before the man met Jesus, he was blind. But after he met Jesus, he could see. The story goes on. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. You can imagine how amazed and confused the people who knew this man were. The man they knew to be blind was blind no more. That doesn't happen every day. Right? They're like, is this the same guy? And so it's like, I'm him. This actually opened the door for him to share about 
uh, uh, you know, share, this, this, this opened the door for him to share about Jesus by him asking a, the, a question, by them asking the question, how were your eyes opened? Like, he's like, I'm the man. Well, then tell us. Let me have a question for you. How were your eyes opened? Now, this is super important, by the way. This is super important. The more we're being transformed into everything God's created us to be, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by following Jesus one next step at a time, by growing every day in our relationship with him, the more the people that you're relationally investing in will probably see something in you they want, they need, and that is missing in their life. And when they see it, it will prompt them to ask you about it. And at that moment, the door's been open for you to cross the line and share something. Like, hey, how were your eyes open? This man, was, it was an opportunity for him to cross the line and share something in an impactful way. And here's what he shared. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the uh, Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see, where is the man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. When, when they asked him how he could see, look, he didn't give a sermonette. He didn't give a Bible, you know, verse. He didn't give a persuasive argument about Jesus being the Messiah so we could do this or some theological explanation of that. Instead, he told his transformation story in a short, compelling, simple, authentic way. He's going, I don't have all the answers. All I know is I was blind. I met this guy named Jesus. He slapped some mud on my face. And now I can see. That's all I know. And it piqued their interest enough for them to ask a follow-up question. Well, where is he? See, these people who were interested in Jesus before, now all of a sudden are ultra interested. Not because this guy answered all their questions or he gave him a good sermon or he gave him some good Bible verse. But because this man's simple transformation, because of this man's simple transformation story using the three-handle handle approach. Before, handle one, before Christ. Before Christ, I was blind. Handle two, meeting Christ. Then I met this guy named Jesus, and he rubbed some mud on my eyes. Handle three, after Christ. And now I see. Soon after, the Jewish religious leaders called the Pharisees brought this man in and asked him, how in the world did you receive sight? And guess what this guy said? He, this guy named Jesus, put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Once again, Tells a story using a three-handle approach. Listen, stay with me. I was blind. I met Jesus, and now I see. Obviously, it was a little hard to believe, so the Pharisees, they, they questioned him some more, and guess what he shared again? One thing I know. <laughs> I was blind, and now I see. Hey, Newly, guy who can now see who used to be blind, we have some questions for you about this Jesus guy. We need you to answer them. The blind, and the guy's going, listen, I don't know how to answer all your questions. I still got some questions myself. All I know is I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. All I know is the old has gone and the new has come. Now, we don't know the outcome of people ended up following Jesus through his story or not, but we do know this man's transformation story definitely created interest in Jesus. 
And not because he answered all of everyone's questions, not because he quoted some good Bible verses, not because he gave a good philosophical argument about Jesus being the Messiah and as the Messiah he could heal, but because Jesus transformed his life and then he shared that story in a short, clear way. When someone you're relationally investing in asks about your faith, the most impactful word you can share is your transformation story. And I think the best way to tell your transformation story is using the three-handle approach that the blind man used in John 9. And here's how it looks. Remember, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins, truly to be the forgiver of your sins and leader of your life, you have a story to tell. Because anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And the three-handle approach helps you articulate how Jesus has transformed you. How the old has gone and how the new has come through your faith in Jesus in a simple, authentic, clear, compelling way by organizing your story into three handles. Handle one, B.C., before Christ. This is the part of your story that's about your old self before you put your faith in Jesus. So what were you like before you put your faith in Jesus? Before you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and lead of your life? The blind man in John 9 was blind. But what about you? Shame-filled, hopeless, unfulfilled, desperate, self-destructive, fearful, depressed. <laughs> Some of you are going, I put my faith in Jesus so young, I don't remember, you know, B.C. Who cares? Skip this part of your story. It's not the most important part of your story anyway, which leads to the second handle. M.C., meeting Christ. This part of your story is about how you met Christ. Basically about why and when and how did you put your faith in Jesus, asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and lead of your life? And some of you go, well, I don't know a date. I don't know a certain date. I don't know a certain date. For many of us, it was a process. We can look back to a season of life, but there was a time, there was a season in your life where you came to, to understand that I need a Savior, and I asked Jesus to be that Savior, but not just my Savior. I asked him to be the leader of my life, saying, Jesus, I want to follow you from this point forward. Who cares if it came through a special prayer? You can remember a certain date. It might have happened in a season. That's when you met Christ. And the third handle is AC, after Christ. This is, this is the part of your story about how the new has come after putting your faith in Jesus. And the question is, since, since putting your faith in Jesus, since asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and leader of your life, how has your relationship with Jesus transformed you? This is the most important part of the story because this is how you share the good news of Jesus. Three-handle approach. I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. And your story is probably not that dramatic. But it doesn't have to be to be impactful. It just needs to be clear, simple, and authentic. I was filled with fear. Now I have strength. I felt worthless. Now I feel wanted. I was lonely. Now I feel loved. I was without purpose. Now I have true purpose. I was consumed with myself. Now I'm consumed with loving others. I was self-destructive. Now I'm healthy. I was guilt-ridden. Now I'm free. I was filled with despair. Now I'm, I have hope. I was paralyzed with anxiety. Now I have a peace that transcends all understanding. For me, before Christ, before Christ I was unfulfilled. I was looking for fulfillment in anything and every single person I possibly could. And then in high school, I thought my girlfriend was pregnant. She ended up not being, but all that fulfillment that I was trying to find in and through that relationship 
was gone in an immediate moment. And it was in the midst of that pivotal circumstance that I ended up putting my faith in Jesus, asking him to be the forgiver of my sins, leader of my life, because I knew my way was not working and, ought, and I could never find fulfillment. After I put my faith in Jesus, I began to experience fulfillment that I, a fulfillment that I didn't even know was possible. And the longer I've followed Jesus and the more I've kept my eyes on Jesus and the more I've taken next steps to follow Jesus from that point, that point forward, the more fulfillment I have experienced. Now, that's not my whole story, but it gives people who I'm telling my story to an opportunity to ask, ask questions if they want to know more. The most impactful words you can share is your transformation story. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And he wants to be the light of their world. And here's the cool thing. When you share your story using the three-handle approach, you know what you're really doing? You're sharing Jesus' story too. And that's the story they ultimately need to hear. Because Jesus wants to connect with their story. He wants to meet them in their story. He wants to meet them in their pain and in their suffering and in their hopelessness and in despair. He wants to shine his light and his love and his hope and his peace and his salvation in their life. And your story has the opportunity to, to connect with their story and connect Jesus' story to their story. And that's the story they need to know the most. Which is why I always, I encourage you last week, I encourage you today, don't share your story until you know theirs. Until you know their story first. Because that's going to be the best way to connect Jesus' story to theirs. The most impactful words you can share is your transformation story because people can't argue with your story. The most impactful words you can share is your transformation story because your story won't answer all their questions but has the greatest potential to touch their hearts. It's almost impossible to change people's minds without touching their hearts, by the way. The most impactful words you can share is your transformation story because it opens the door to the potential of having more spiritual conversations with them. The most impactful words you can share is your transformation story because transform people, transform people. God works through people who have been or who are being transformed by him to transform people who need him. He can and he wants to use you and all it takes is you being willing and prepared to cross the line. I remember the first time I shared my story. It was when I was in high school. And it was with my best friend Matt. Not Matt Paddock who works here. Uh, he would have never been my friend in high school. I'd have beat him up. Um, uh, it, was, it was my my best friend Matt. Matt, you know, we were friends all through high school and he's he saw me before I put faith, my faith in Jesus. He saw what I was going after. I was going after a lot of it with him. Like we got in all kinds of trouble. And then I put my faith in Jesus and things started to change. And I left that life behind me. I didn't want to pursue that life anymore. And he started seeing I was having this true life for the very first time. I didn't need to do all that stuff anymore. And he started asking me why. Like, Ronnie, why? You know, and I didn't know what to say. So I just started sharing my story again and again and again. And it opened the door to have more spiritual conversations. Actually, it opened the door for me to invite him to the Youth for Christ Campus Life Club I was going to at that point in time. Now, Matt, the cool thing is before he graduated high school, he ended up putting his faith in Jesus, not because he had all of his questions answered, but because transformed people transformed people. He wanted what he saw Jesus do in me. Listen, the most impactful words you can share is your transformation story. So let me ask you, every person who say you're a follower of Christ, are you prepared 
to share your transformation story. Are you prepared? Peter says, be prepared. So are you prepared? If not, I want to give you two quick next steps this week. Next step number one, think through your story this week. Think through your story. And to do that, we've, helped, we've given you a tool. Uh, and on this tool, it outlines the three-handle approach that I, I just got done walking through and also gives you questions to help you put together and help you think through your story. For those of you in the room, you're going to receive that tool on your way out. If you're watching online and you have the comments section open, the moderators are putting it in right now in, in, the, in the comments section. And also, it'll be on the sermon page after this sermon gets uploaded. Uh, the tool will be on there as well. So use this tool. Think through your story this week. And here's my second you know, uh, invitation to you and next step for you this week is to practice sharing your story. By the way, don't practice it with someone that you're investing in that doesn't know Jesus. <laughs> practice sharing it with someone who does know Jesus. Actually, T-Life groups. You know, let me talk to you T-Life group leaders. T-Life group leaders, whatever you're doing in your T-Life group you're going through right now, just don't do that this week. Instead, tell everyone to prepare using the three-handle approach beforehand and have everyone share their stories at T-Life group. And have everyone do it in less than five minutes. Listen, I know you think your story can't be told except within an hour. I just told you my story in 45 seconds. Your story, make them tell in less than five minutes. Make us want to ask you questions when you're done, not like, thank God, that's done. Tell them less than, listen, I, this will help you prepare. I believe if you're prepared to share your story, God will open the door to cross the line for you to be able to share it. And who knows? God, maybe you will use that to open someone's heart up to him. One last thing before I get you out of here. Uh, and this is just for those of you who would say, I've never put my faith in Jesus. Who would say, I've never met Christ. But maybe something I said stirred your heart to go, I'd like to meet Christ. You can today. The, new, the old can go and the new can come today. And I just want to give you an opportunity to meet Christ today, put your faith in him, ask him to be the forgiver of your sins, lead your life as I pray, and you can do that right where you are. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, uh, I just thank you for sending your son for us, that we have a story, that you've transformed our eternity, that you've redeemed us, that you've restored us, and I, I thank you with every next step we take to follow you, and as we keep our eyes on you, we're continually transformed to become more like you. God, I pray that you help us see our stories, that we prepare uh, by knowing how to tell our stories and so that when we see the opportunities arrive, we cross this line. And God, I pray you use this to draw people to you. God, for every person who's never put their faith in you, Jesus, who feels like they should do that this morning, that they want to meet you, I pray they do it right now where they are. That right now, either in this room or at home, they'd confess their need for a savior because of their violation of sin against you holy creator God and they proclaim right now that they believe Jesus is that savior because of his death and ultimately his resurrection right now I pray that they ask you to be the forgiver of their sins to be their savior and they ask you to be the leader of their life their lord Lord, in this moment as they're praying that, I pray as your spirit takes residence within them, that they know a new creation has come, that the old is gone, and the new is here. And I pray they keep their eyes on you from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
man. 